So Annette and I had moved to Midland, Texas, and we had started attending a church there. And I remember one time the pastor, his name was Kevin, introducing me to this guy named Steve. Now, he didn't tell me anything about Steve. And I remember meeting Steve. He was about this tall, bald-headed, and very unpretentious. And I didn't know who I was meeting. He was just Steve. And so uh, later, like several months later, we joined that church. And then later, there was this big conference going on in Austin, Texas. And it was a a group of churches. Back in the day, it was called Morningstar International. It became uh, Every Nation Ministries and Churches. And so I went to my first Every Nation conference. And the first thing that just blew me away was the worship. It was just so off the hook. And so I was like, wow. And it was exciting to see that I had joined a church that was a part of something much bigger than themselves. And so I enjoyed that part of it. And then I remember during that time, there's a lot of people moving around and I saw Steve. So I went over and said, hey, Steve, how's it going? He's like, great. Good to see you again. Yeah, yeah, great to see you. I didn't know who he was. And then the conference went on and they had these speakers and whatnot. And then the keynote speaker got up who happened to be the president of Every Nation Ministries and Churches. Guess who it was? Pastor Steve. So Steve gets up and he speaks. And I'm just like, wow. And I didn't know anything about him but because he didn't tell me anything about himself. He was very unpretentious. In fact, I remember during that conference, one of the things that impressed me about him is he didn't sit on the front row like with all the other pastors because they all had this reserve section, you know, like don't dare go in that zone. That's reserved for the men of God. And so, so there was actually tape around that. He didn't even sit in there. He sat towards the back. That's why I didn't think anything about it. Remember, he got up and shared. It was amazing. Talked about discipleship, 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 and more discipleship. And I was like, wow, he must have a good-sized church somewhere. I didn't even know where he was from. Then I heard the story. Turns out he and his wife back in the early 90s had gone on a mission trip, which was an evangelistic kind of crusade with a bunch of young people, and they went to Manila in the Philippines back in the early 90s. You may not remember, but back in the early 90s in Manila, there were riots going on. There was political unrest, and it was a train wreck there, and he and some guys got together, and some of their wives and young wives all went to Manila, and they started these revival services. And not only were there riots in the streets, there was also massive flooding from a typhoon because they went during typhoon season. And the basement where they were meeting actually had begun to fill with water. Water was coming down the walls and the floors were completely soaked and wet and actually began to rise while they were there. So there's rioting in the streets, there's a typhoon, there's flooding, and all these students and young people are looking for a place to get out for safety. And they were saying, come in here, come in here. So they went into this big building, this trap of a building, And there they heard the gospel of Jesus Christ because there were these young people from America, Steve included, and his wife, Deborah, waiting to preach the gospel. So as they preached the gospel, hundreds of young people came to Christ. Hundreds. So they were only going to be there a few weeks, and then the team had scheduled flights to go back, but they were going to go. And so they were there, and Steve realized, we have got to pour into these new young believers because they don't have a leader. There's no leadership here. And so they spent several weeks meeting with them, sun up to sundown and beyond, during the typhoon, during the riots, having services, and then in the off time, they were meeting and discipling. Disciple, 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 teaching them the basics 
of what it means to follow Jesus. And they began to pour into these young people. And these young people were catching on fire. They were excited about their newfound faith. And they were going out and bringing more students in. Hundreds came to Christ during that, that little crusade, that little, little crazy, unorganized crusade came time for all of them to go back to the states and so they're getting ready to go and steve and deborah merle feel like well maybe we should stay here for a while and keep pouring it i don't think they're ready they can't we can't just launch a church with a bunch of brand new believers of course they did it in the bible here and there right and so they say well let's just stay here for a little bit and and we'll put our plane flight off and we'll just pour into them well they did that for 27 years they raised their children in Manila. They raised their family. They built a home there, lived in an apartment actually in the downtown area. And they continued to do exactly the same thing they did in the beginning. What Steve calls sobs. Same old boring strokes. What was it? It was the stroke of discipleship. Poured into them, poured into them, poured into them. The church grew. When we first met Steve and Deborah Merle, their church was only about 60,000 people on a given weekend. Did you hear that? 60,000 in the greater Manila metro area. And they met at that time in 113 worship services throughout the weekend. 113. I guess you figured out by now Steve wasn't preaching all those, right? Here's the brilliance of what Steve did, and it really proves my point. We're talking today about an attitude adjustment, and this attitude is actually the attitude of Christ in the face of what was epic greatness, the Son of Man, but he exercised the greatest humility. And what, what Steve modeled for me, who turned out to be the president of Every Nation Ministries, turned out to be the head lead pastor of a church of over 60,000 and growing at last count, and I don't know the latest, but the last I heard, they were over 80,000 people and growing. We got to go at their 25th year uh, reunion or anniversary, and where they had the Thrilla in Manila, that, that Coliseum, that's where we met. And it was jam-packed with young people in the next generation on fire for Jesus. Never seen anything like it. And here's what's so cool about it. We've been to subsequent conferences with that group and that team. And Steve has never sat on the front row. He always comes in the back because he's always out in the hallway talking to somebody. He comes in the back and he sits somewhere in the back. And yet it's the church that God used him to build and birth and grow. In fact... And he'll tell you this straight up. He said, most of the people, 80,000 plus, I don't know where it's at now, will, don't even know who he is. Because he made up his mind that he was going to do what Jesus did, and that is to raise up people around you to take the ministry and go. And he's done that effectively now for up to almost 30 years at this point. It probably is 30 years, easily. Humility. I remember going up to him one time. And I said, I, I called you Steve. I didn't know who you were, Pastor Steve. He goes, just Steve. Just Steve. Jesus demonstrated the utmost humility. We're talking about an attitude adjustment because some of us, some of us might need one. 
John Eldridge just released his new book, Get Your Life Back, on the 11th. And I've already read the pre-release copy of that. And in that book, he talks about this fact. This is a brutal time to be alive in the world. Can I get an amen? We live in a culture and in a world that says bigger, better, faster, more, epic, go big or go home. See, it's not enough just to jump out of an airplane with a regular parachute now. Now we move into parasails. But no, that's not enough. In fact, why don't we just run off the side of a cliff in the Netherlands in a squirrel suit with wings and fly through the air at 160 miles per hour and then somehow thread the needle through all this craziness and then somehow land on, a, on an X down in a field down in the little village below. But no, that's not enough either. See, that's crazy enough, right? But now let's just take that up another notch because now they're jumping off of planes or off of cliffs in a squirrel suit without a parachute now. And guess what they're doing? They're landing in another airplane. Jumping from one airplane, no parachute, sailing, flying, and literally getting up into and landing inside the plane with an open door. How are you going to top that? You're going to jump out of the space shuttle or something? I mean, what's next? That is the culture we live in, where bigger is better and more is better. Got to go big or go home. And in the midst of that, Jesus comes along and says, wait a minute, the world is upside down, the kingdom is right side up. And it's not always bigger, better, more. It could be the simple act of a widow giving what little she had and Jesus saying, that will be remembered from now on. Her story will be told from now on. <laughs> and it is, it got in the Bible. And that story has continued to be told because she gave what she had, she gave out of her lack. But it wasn't much, but it was big in the eyes of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. An attitude adjustment in a world that says bigger is better and epic is the most important thing. Jesus calls us to be humble. Let's talk a little bit about what that is. In fact, we're in our series, Hallelujah, anyway, and it's probably a good time in our lives to say that. Can I get an Amen. Or a hallelujah anyway, right? Listen to this. Hallelujah definition simply means praise God. Praise the Lord. When you shout hallelujah, it may not sound like much to you, but I want you to know something. All of hell trembles because the last thing hell wants is for you to praise the Lord. When we worship and our team feels it, we sense it. I'm telling you, when we worship, there is something going on otherworldly. You do know the universe is highly populated, right? And it's not just us. There's stuff going on, and when we're worshiping, we feel like sometimes we're like those icebreaker ships up in Antarctica just breaking ice, knowing that something, something is resisting what we're doing. Why? Because there's a very real enemy. And in the midst of a time that is brutal to be alive, we declare hallelujah anyway. Can I get an amen? amen. Somebody walked up to me right before the first service started and delivered some devastating news devastating. I mean, I could have gone back over to my office and just cried. But no. Because I thought, no, hallelujah anyway. Hallelujah anyway. This is where this works. It doesn't, you know, when you're on the mountaintop, it's easy to shout hallelujah, right? When things are going good, things are working, 
things are working out the way you planned. But what about when that's not happening? Where do we go with that? Where do we go with bad news? Where do we go with a bad diagnosis? Where do we go with loss? Where do we go with grief? Where do we go with pain? Where do we go with depression? Where do we go with despair? Well, I can't give you the answer to all that in 15 minutes, but I can say this. I can, in the midst of anything, shout, hallelujah, anyway. And that is what this is about. So listen to this. We're talking about the letter that was written to the Philippians, which was a little outpost and was the result of the Macedonian call. Do you remember that? The Macedonian call took Paul and his team, Timothy and Silas, across the bay there into the first church plant in Europe was Philippi. And in that, we find this. In chapter 2, an if-then statement, Paul says this, if you have any encouragement from being unified or united to Christ, if any comfort from his love, he says, if you have any of these things, if you have any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, he says, then, if, then, if these things are happening, then this is what I want to see. Then make my joy full or complete or whole by being three things, like-minded, having the same love, and being one in spirit and purpose. I actually had somebody ask me, or actually kind of, it wasn't nice, talk about us praying for other churches and fellowshipping with other churches and and uh, it was ugly, flat out. And, and I, I'm like, why do you do that? You, you, don't even, you don't even know what that church believes. And I said, well, I don't know all of their beliefs, but I don't know what you believe, and you really don't know what I believe. And 15 years from now, you're not going to believe what you believe right now. And if you're growing, now if you've decided to not grow and just sit on your dogma, that's fine. But if you're actually growing in Jesus, you're going to look back on anything you wrote, taught, or said. You're going to say, please destroy that. Please burn that. I don't believe that. I've grown. I've, I've matured. I'm coming to a new place, a new level of grace and understanding. And someday you're going to say, I hope no one ever listens to anything I said 20 years ago. If you're honest. But here's, here's what I had to say. I said, look, the bottom line is this. is We're not conforming. This isn't conformity. It's unity. It's not even uniformity. It's unity. It's where we come together. We say, what is most important? Jesus? Okay, we can work with that. There you go. And we walk together based on that. There you go. And the rest of it, that's all negotiable. Paul says this. If you have the, here's what I want you to do. Being like-minded having the same love, and being one in spirit and purpose. He's talking to the church. He's talking to us. What is this one in spirit and purpose? What is the purpose? Well, the purpose, we might say, and Max is the one who got this ball rolling, the purpose is harvest. He feels like God spoke to him. This is Max Lucado, the founder of all this, the, the daddy, so to speak. He, he felt like God said there is going to be an unprecedented harvest in our time. And so we are prepping for harvest, but let me tell you what harvest is and what it's not. Here's what it's not. It's not a handful of us going out and praying for harvest. Jesus was very clear. We don't pray for harvest. We as laborers go out into the harvest. And by the way, harvest isn't coming. It's already here. The question is, are we going to labor in it and do what we're called to do, run in our lane, 
and enjoy the fruit of harvest? That's the question. He says, being one in spirit and purpose. What's our purpose? Our purpose is to be laborers for the harvest and do exactly what Jesus told us to do. Amen? Anywhere and everywhere, we call it the three W's, whatever, whenever, wherever. The three W's, listen to this. Paul goes on, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Do you understand? That is humility. Humility is not putting yourself down, it's lifting others up. Listen to me. It is not putting yourself down. That is not humility. That's an aberration of that, which is called humiliation. That's different. Humility is a virtue, a value. It's a high value in the kingdom. So it's not putting yourself down, lowering yourself. It's elevating everyone around you. That's true humility. Steve didn't put himself down. Pastor of 80,000 plus people. He just elevated people around him so they could go leave those, lead those churches and campuses one after another. He elevated those around him. That's what a good leader does. They elevate those around them. They don't take themselves out. Now, the goal, if you're a good leader, is to work yourself out of a job. Amen? And the day that happens here, I go, praise God, what's next? But until then, we're going to keep working together. Amen? Because we're better together. It says this, each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also the interests of others. It's not just about me. It's about we. But it's not just about we. It's also about them. Me to we to them. Looking out for the interests of others. We are our brother and sister's keepers. Amen? Your attitude. Here it is. Attitude. Attitude. This. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. That word grasped means held on to. He didn't, he didn't say, oh God, oh Father, please don't send me down to those reprobates. Don't send me down to that brutal world. Don't send me down to those sinners, those heathens, those pagans. Don't send me down there. No, no, no. He did not see equality and where he was at the right hand of the Father is something to be held on to. Look what it says. But made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. <laughs> Further than that, he became a baby. Right. The Son of God, right hand of the Father, seated at the right hand, the place of favor, authority, actually empties himself. This is what this is, a perusia, it's the emptying. He emptied himself. Look at this. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. And became obedient to death, even death on a cross. He modeled that humility with his disciples as he elevated them, as he empowered them, as he sent them out. The 72, as he sent them out with authority. And we'll see that in just a minute. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. The name above all names. But it was only after Jesus let go and was willing to be humbled. Listen to this. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus speaking, he says, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, brought low. And he who humbles himself will be what? Lifted up. And he is the 
absolute perfect model of that. Listen to this in Luke 14. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do you not in, do not invite your friends, your brothers, or relatives, or your rich neighbors? If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. He was, had been talking about this before. Verse 13, he says, but when you give a banquet, invite the poor. Listen to this. Invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, the disenfranchised, and you will be what, family? Blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. He's saying, go out and get them. Go invite the broken. You know, we're stepping into some arenas that we've never stepped in before. It's some new territory for us. And I'm so excited that Pastor Jeffrey is here and Suzanne and his family are here because they've already been training and been working in this this arena of anti-human trafficking and sex trafficking and we're going to take a step and baby steps I'll be it but we are stepping into that arena because of that we cannot step aside we can't be silent we can't stick our head in the ground we have to do something and I believe that God is going to give us clarity as we start down this road and this track he's going to show us what to do when we know who we are in him, we'll know what to do. When our identity is secure, we'll know exactly what to do. Amen? And so we're stepping into that arena, and you need to be praying. We as a family need to be praying, God, what would you have us do? How can we engage? How can we get involved? What can we do to help the situation right here in Gillespie County? Amen? Because it's not just happening in Houston. And it's not just happening in San Antonio. It's happening right under our nose. Can I get an Amen? or an oh my, and we're going to step in. Now listen, back to Philippians. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every knee, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. You know that means every demonic force has to bow to the name of Jesus. Do you know that everything that is not of God has to bow to the name of Jesus? And here's the thing, what we don't always understand, and I'm not talking about your concealed carry permit, we are packing heat in the spirit. We are packing, God has given us, this word is exousia, it's the word authority. He has given us authority and he's given us his name, and that name is carries authority it carries impact and when that name is used i'm not talking about the seven sons of skiva they had had no clue they had not received authority when they got themselves in trouble you should read about that story but i'm talking about those of us who know jesus who understand our identity who understand the calling on our life is to literally pro it's to literally bring the kingdom of heaven upon this earth and we do it through authority. Now, here's how this works. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Now, look what happened. Here's a story about where this happened. We have it right here in real time. In Luke 10, after this, the Lord, Jesus, appointed 72 others, sent them out, sent them two by two ahead of, town, of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Now, listen to this, family. This is how I've changed my prayer regarding harvest. I was praying for revival, awakening, and all that. And that's good. We should. 
but the Lord gave me a clue on this one. The harvest is plentiful. The harvest is here, family. But the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest fields. My prayer has changed from, Lord, give us a harvest. Bring harvest to, oh, Lord, send workers. Equip us. Give us wisdom as a team how to equip the saints for the work of the harvest, the work of ministry. And he's doing it, family. He's doing it. Now, listen to what happens. In verse 8, this is on through the story. When you, this is Jesus telling these disciples, he sent them out. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat whatever's set before you. And he says, do this. In other words, I'm giving you authority to do this. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. In other words, walk in, announce the kingdom. The kingdom is here. Verse 16, moving through the story. He who listens to you listens to me. He who rejects you rejects me. But he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 return with joy. Mind you, they've been out doing the kingdom. They're doing the work of the kingdom. Now, I'm not talking about they're just going out and handing out pamphlets. They're out there doing the work of the kingdom. Being love. Being Jesus. Where they live, work, and play. Look what happens. The 72 return with joy. Why? Because they're seeing God move. They're seeing it and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. You know, when you know who you are, you'll know what to do. But also, when you know who you are, you'll never be afraid of anything that goes bump in the night again. You'll never walk in fear of the stuff. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do, and you'll never be afraid. Listen to this in verse 18. This is Jesus' response. This is Jesus doing a high five. This is so cool. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Can you just hear the excitement in Jesus' voice? Let me tell you, boys, let me tell you what I saw. While you're out there doing it, I'm watching the enemy like a meteor coming down out of heaven. And look what he says. I saw him fall like lightning from heaven. Splat. Verse 19. I added splat in there. That's not in the original Greek, but I'm just (laughs) kind of adding that in, thinking I've got an active imagination. Go with me on this. Verse 19. I have given you... Authority, exousia. I've given you authority. This is a lot more than than Andy deputizing Barney and letting him have his bullet for his gun. I mean, we're talking about full-on authority. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. Wait a minute, snakes and scorpions. It's a metaphor for the demonic realm. It's a type and shadow. I've given you authority to trample on demons and spirits, and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Well, you know what all means in the Koine Greek language? Help me, somebody. Good guess. Yes. It means all. It literally means that. All the power of the enemy. And then look in verse 21 in that story. At that time, Jesus Full of joy. Remember, they came back full of joy. Now Jesus is celebrating. They're having church. They're enjoying what God has done. They're celebrating God in this. Full of joy, through the Holy Spirit, said, Jesus says, I praise you, Father. He just burst out in prayer and praise. I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. In other words, it wasn't the Pharisees, it wasn't the religious folks, it wasn't those that were holding it down, sitting on their dogma, saying the famous last seven words of the church, 
we've always done it this way. <laughs> they weren't sitting on it. They were, they, they, he, so he says, I'm giving this to the kids. I'm giving this to the irreligious, the fishermen, the laborers, the villagers, the common folk. He says, you've revealed it to them to little children. Yes, Father, and here it is because it's his will. His pleasure is his will. His good pleasure means it's just his will. It's just his desire. He takes the foolish and confounds the wise. That should be good news for some of us in here. It is for me. It was your good pleasure. Now, back to land the plane. Back to verse 10. Remember, this is what you've received as a follower of Jesus. You humble yourself before him. Lord, Lord God, it's you. It's you. It's all about you. It's all about you, and I thank you. I thank you. I just humble myself. I consecrate and just release everything. And here's what happens. He'll lift you up. He'll lift you up. And your heart's pure. Your heart's right. Those, ah, the pure in heart will see God. They'll see. Now look what he says. The name of Jesus, every knee will bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth, every tongue. Let's have the worship team come on up. We'll end with a song. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's it. Every tongue. Every knee. Why? It's the power of humility. It's the attitude adjustment. That when we allow him to lift us up, here's what he does. He gives us the name that is above all names. I'm telling you, just by way of encouragement... You should go through your house and shout the name of Jesus. Amen. Call on the name of Jesus. Speak the name of Jesus. Get Jesus on your lips. Hallelujah anyway. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, I consecrate my home. Go into your kid's room. Not when they're there. It'll freak them out. Just go in there when they're gone and say, Lord, I consecrate everything in this room for your glory. And anything that's in here that's not of you, break it. Pray dangerous prayer. Break it. Make it not work. Whatever it takes, God. I'm praying for the destiny of this child. I'm praying for the destiny of my kids. Where you work, you should go into offices. You have cubicles. Go walk by the cubicles. Don't, do, don't make a big scene. Go a little early one day and declare the name of Jesus over the workplace. Amen. Where we live, where we work. I was at the San Antonio Rodeo a couple weeks ago. And I'm looking around, people getting smashed, like two rows back. And, man, you know, I'm going, oh, boy, this reminds me of the old days. And I'm looking, I'm going, and I feel compassion. I'm not mad. They're dropping the F-bomb. They're just going. They're having a big time. And I, I'm not mad. I have compassion. There Been there, done that. Numb out, check out. Try to feel good for a little while, knowing you're going to have a bad headache tomorrow. It's going, it's going not in well for you. You know what I did for them? I prayed. I didn't get mad. I didn't get offended because they were saying stuff. I just prayed for them. Lord God, protect them on the way home. Amen. Don't let them get killed or kill somebody. Bless them. Cover them. See, we, where we live, where we work, where we play, we declare the name of Jesus. We don't do a grandstand. We don't try to be epic. We just humble ourselves Amen. and let Jesus do what he needs to do. Amen? Amen. You bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, in the name of your Son, thank you for the name that is above all names. And that you literally confer that name upon us. You allow us to use it. 
not for our own gain, but for your glory. Father, we do. We want an attitude adjustment in everything. Lord, that we would be able to encourage and lift everyone around us and practice true, authentic, biblical humility. And that is to exalt and lift up everyone in our orbit. That when they leave our presence, they leave lifted. They leave held up. They leave encouraged. Not discouraged, not underweight, not under the the weight, but just encouraged and lifted, Lord. Thank you for the principle of humility and thank you for the name that is above all names, the name of Jesus. If you're here this morning and you need prayer for anything, I'm going to invite our prayer team to come to the front. We're going to be here and we'll pray. We'll do whatever you